Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm yours, Mona, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? It's been a dark week for us as Arsenal fans. One thing that I can say is Emery was a coward against Southampton to set up the team the way he did. He played five at the back compared to Southampton, who was struggling for their lives, who came there, went for it with a 4-3-3. You know, coming up against the Saints, I really thought, you know, this was going to be one of those winnable games, you know, to finally get us out of this rut we've constantly been through now. Since, I mean, like the last uh, Premier League win was something like the okay, 6th of October, I think. Um, you know, that, and I thought, okay, we're going to go with, you know, much positivity. But I mean, that all went out to the window within the first 30 seconds because all of a sudden uh, they start attacking us from kickoff, straight from kickoff. And I mean, Tierney ends up losing the ball and uh, Stewart Armstrong ends up letting rip from, I think, about 25 yards, narrowly missing the Arsenal goal. I mean, early warnings for Arsenal. I think at that point you knew, you know, Arsenal, if they didn't wake up, they were going to be in for a game. And that's what we saw. Southampton were quicker to everything. They were sharper. Arsenal was still on the team bus by the looks of it with the first 10 to 15 minutes of the game. And I mean, like eighth minute, uh, you know, Arsenal conceded a free kick. Everybody seemingly switched off at the back. And I mean, this is where I find, you know, almost like the core to the, this rot at Arsenal at the moment, you know, no discipline. Everybody's like, you know, defense, like even the guys that are in a, as defensive midfielders as well as out actual defense. Everybody with their back to the ball. In that time that they're doing that, uh, Southampton play a quick ball, playing Danny Ings. And I mean, the whole defense is caught, caught flat footed and he fires past Leno, 1 0 Southampton. What a shock. I couldn't believe it. And as a as an avid better from time to time, I, I thought this was a, a, a sure punter for me to. To take it, and I mean, you know, you want Arsenal to win, and then they go down 1-0, and you're thinking, oh my word, here we go again, same old story. And I mean, it was becoming also clear to see uh, Southampton were almost like cutting us apart at well. I mean, they were dictating when and how they are attacking us, and, you know, when they're willing to give us position to, you know, get some sort of foothold on the game. But, I mean, no sooner we got a foothold, like, you know, the uh, got into position of the ball, we end up just giving the ball away again. And I mean, Obafemi is also, Obafemi ends up missing a shot on 14 minutes. And I mean, Arsenal were really on the ropes. Yeah, I, I honestly, you could see at that point that the players weren't playing for the manager anymore at that point. Like, you just couldn't see them getting that, you know, that um, wanting the desire to want the goal. I mean, Yes, they, they did get the equalizer 10 minutes after they conceding. But good good work from Uzel and brilliant cross by Tierney and, you know, lovely finish by Lacazette. But, you know, it doesn't take the fact away that before that we were, we were shaking. I mean, I couldn't see anything but the Southampton win at that point. And it's quite scary at, mm. that that happened at the Emirates. I mean, what I found also, in a way, uh, you know, it was like shocking in a way. It was also, look, you know, what sort of goals Arsenal are normally capable of. But I mean, when you see it, like, you know, the, 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 almost like that, 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 that hope shot of Aubameyang that, that he totally miscues. And I mean, almost like the, the scruffy way it, it now, you know, ends up landing at, at Lacazette's feet. But okay, striker instinct. I mean, it just took a quick swivel and he, you know, got us to 1 1 again. Then, you know, then you think to yourself, okay, has this now brought us somehow into the game again? And then you got twenty on twenty one minutes where Hoiberg again has a near miss, 
and you think to yourself, are these guys, you know, I think you also mentioned it a while back where, you know, when we get a goal back or we go a goal in, you know, just to somehow take that sting out of the game somewhat because it's like we play at this hectic pace and then it's like it ends up biting us on the backside because they, they come immediately, almost like a, a few minutes after kickoff again, then they again have a go at our goal again and a pot shot at our goal. I think under Emre, we've just been a basketball team that, you know, you shoot, we shoot, you shoot, we shoot. And it's come to a point where, you know, where our shooting hasn't, you know, found the back of the net and the opposition at times have been taking advantage of that. And like you mentioned, we could have been 4-5-0 down against Southampton at, at a stage in the game. Because, I mean, look, it was a case of Southampton just physically overpowering Arsenal because we were coming second best in the 50-50s. Second base, but even the, the, the you know when 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 it came to the aerial bombardment, we were almost like because I mean I've seen some shocking footage early on, because it's on on other TV channels also you know analyzing this game also, uh, like with, with when balls were coming like long balls getting hoofed to to Tierney and and Bellin, every time they they you know they're coming up to rise with a with a player of Southampton for the ball, but when it comes to you know, the, the the full challenge you know with a header or whatever. Then they end up turning their back on the ball, and the ball like just bounce behind them or bounce over them. And I'm thinking, look, look, we were we grew up watching that sort of Arsenal. You know, they attacking every ball. They, you know, almost like putting their marker down with every challenge, whether it's fifty-fifty or aerial challenges. But it's almost like we are willing to rather take that step back for, almost like like yeah, fear. It looks more like fear when you watch them play. So they're like they're not willing to put their body on the line, you know, for the team scores. So okay, we go into the the half, one uh, one. But I mean, you could hear already, you know the subtle groans again going around the stadium. Um, Arsenal then make their change again, uh, where they bring on uh, Pepe for Chambers, and uh, of course they they switch their formation again, you know, going four two three one. And you know, people are also it seems there's also this this disconnect between what the manager wants and what the player is actually giving out because. It's not like they take also a while to somehow click into gear what is going on because no sooner the, the, the game goes on again, we have maybe a, a little, you know, say a five-minute cameo of, of domination. But then afterwards, then it's, a, you know, back to square one, back to the basketball type of football. But, you know, I, I know we, we blame Emre a lot with this, but how come last season was different? Where did it all go wrong in terms of this season? I mean, we, we last season we, we we kind of blew teams away for, at home. I mean, and sometimes we had those odd games where we slacked, but at home we were mostly a banker to to win. I mean, but when said, we came, okay, but when we came now to this season, it's like we couldn't buy a winner. I mean, you can't say like I know we we say that maybe it's a language barrier as well, but I mean. How come the last season it worked, but this season it just woefully just didn't? I just think it's almost like people have um, almost like figured him out somewhat. And it's like now he tries something and then you think, okay, you know, see it out, like say for half an hour or half. But it's almost like he will uh, try something, say for five minutes or ten minutes, then he start panicking when, it, you know, it's not going accordingly. And then he'll start tinkering around. And, and of course, like the players are doing one thing. Because, I mean, how many times do you actually see the player actually watching what he is gesturing or saying? Because everybody, I'm like, they, they, they pick up things too late. It's not like too late when they, when they try to heed his warning or whatever. 
where he's not trying to gesture, look, that, that space. Because we are playing a, a, a sort of football where there's this, like, as I said before, the disconnect between midfield forwards and defence and midfield. Because every time you are seeing, like, even almost like the most mediocre players we are playing against, they are finding these pockets of space and all of a sudden they become like an Iniesta or a Xavi and they all of a sudden dictate from the middle of the park. I mean, Southampton lost 9-0 to Leicester at home. I mean, how do you have confidence after losing 9-0? But yet, they came back against Arsenal, brushed themselves off and said, you know what, we're going to give you a game. And they came at us and came at us and Arsenal don't learn. We keep on making individual errors, losing our rags and we forget that VAR is sometimes there. And I mean, more of the, the same was in like, of course, second half where Arsenal seemingly in a sort of hole where they just can't get out of. Because, I mean, you, I mean, like you're willing to, 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 you know, to be better. You can hear the crowd trying to get some sort of reaction out of the players. But, I mean, the game just goes end-to-end football. And 56-minute, Pepe then uh, clips the crossbar. In the 66th minute, we have in the so- Socrates, or, yeah, 60th minute, <laughs> minute the Socrates calamity. How he decides to do like a sort of cry turn, <laughs> put in possession by Cedric. And, you know, in that time that he's being dispossessed, he's still trying to actually get, get uh, you know, get to his feet. But I mean, he's stumbling along on the ground. And I think if Cedric had had a cooler head, he could have played a, a simpler ball to uh, Obafemi. But I mean, he ended up almost like choking the chance and he just, you know, almost like flashed the uh, cross. And I mean, it would have been an easy tap-in for uh, one of that, any of that forwards there for Southampton. It was very, it really, like, I don't know what happened. I don't know, like, the, it, was a, it, was a, it was a nothing pass to, to Socrates. There was no danger. I see them just trying to move the ball forward or even giving it back to Leno, possibly. I don't know what, what he was trying on it. And uh, you could see um, Pepe was, is, has lost his confidence, that swagger he had when he started. And he, you know, the two goals he scored kind of lifted it. But I think throwing him back to the bench threw the confidence away because there was an opportunity. I can't remember if it was before that miss or that chance of Cedric or afterwards where Lacazette gave a lovely ball to, to Pepe. Pepe was kind of through on goal. Mm-hmm. And he, 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 could have, he took too long to square to Aubameyang or he could have even gone for the shot. But like he was caught in two minds and then Southampton got in the way to clear the ball. So, then it's the 69th minute, uh, Tierney, I mean, I, I don't know, it was like he had of the, as I said, the brain fade moments where the ball comes in and one minute he's appealing for offside, the next minute, as uh, uh, the players start to peel off him, he tugs the player back and I mean, it's also in front of, directly in front of the referee. I mean, it was checked by VAR, but I mean, everything was accordingly and, you know, penalty was given for Southampton. But why? How many penalties are we going to give away this season? Is this a, or actually, we've been giving away a lot of penalties under Una Emre in general. So, we're a team who can't defend, but we lack discipline as well. How does that make sense? Like, we're a dirty kind of team in the box, tagging players, diving in challenges, but we're doing it in the wrong side of the pitch. I mean, make a tactical foul in their half, but we're making these little fouls in our own boxes. And, like, was it Gwen Dozy that... Did it last, was it the game before or something like that, where he tugged one of the Leicester players in the box? And if they are to look at that, we would have been another penalty down against Leicester. So, you know, going to Southampton, it's like the guys don't learn the lesson. They do the same thing over and over. Yeah, but I mean, uh, then uh, Leno then 
you know, manages to step up, makes a penalty save from Ward Prowse, but unfortunately the ball ends up spilling towards Ward Prowse again and he tucks in the rebound two one Southampton. And I mean the crowd were almost like paying for blood now. And two one there was there was chances afterwards where I think Willock cleared the ball off the line as well. Where they could have made it three one as well, Southampton. So the chances were there for us to get humiliated at home. If it was a more clinical side, could have been four, five, six, one at home, and that's not even exaggerating. You know, I've not just jotted that, that, that just for a short little like a timeline. What you mentioned now, uh, 87 minute, Willock makes that block from the from Gineppo. 92nd minute, that Buffal shot, Tierney <laughs> just manages to block, which was it was like you know grenade for the full goal. And then of course we end up in the what was the 93rd minute we going on the on the uh, almost like on the attack ball breaks down the edge of the box ball just gets hit to route one forward to Gineppo. Socrates is the last man and I mean he's trying to somehow give chase and I mean that Gineppo is off and I think he, uh, just through Leno like you know advancing somewhat I think that kind of unnerved him and look at that that's not in a, in a space of you know like you know, almost like a, a seven minute whatever time span. You had like three chances for Southampton to kill the game off completely. The problem for me is Southampton at the Emirates Stadium, no, make no doubt, you know, they're not any mugs, you know, they're not going to walk over them. But how do you let Southampton make more clear cut chances as Arsenal Football Club with a bombing and Lacazette and Pepe on the field? You have Southampton making more clear cut chances. There's surely something not right in the camp for that to be happening. And then, you know, in typical. I wouldn't say Arsenal, actually, Emery fashion. And I just think, when it, you know, totally against the run of play now. Double is and it's a route one ball to Aubameyang who flicks the ball on, which kind of takes out most of the Southampton defenders. Ball falls to Martinelli, who, you know, you know draws Bertrand forward, you know, skips past him, and he thinks a beautiful ball over, and the whole Southampton defence and keeper, you know, misjudge the flight of the ball. Ball lands at Lacazette's feet, and he bangs in to make a 2-2. Lucky point for Arsenal. It'll probably saved uh, Emirates bacon for the for the for the evening or for the week because at that point, you know, if I think if Arsenal had to lose that game, it would have been a worse off situation than like the draw. Not that it was the draw was just as bad, but you know, kind of saved his blushes slightly. So we swing our attention now to the Frankfurt game on Thursday evening against. Uh, in the Europa League, sorry. Uh, also, going to the game, you know, in a complete empty away block since, as I mentioned last week, Frankfurt were getting a, a, fan, a, a, a fan ban from UEFA. Uh, added to that, also meager home attendance for the Arsenal fans. As, you know, the fans started, you know, doing their talking with their feet, not attending the game. So it looked, I mean, the attendance looked something like fifteen to 20,000 in a 60,000 60, capacity stadium. So, you know, it did look Quite awkward, you know, especially on TV now. And then, of course, Xhaka made his return. Um, also, you could sense, besides now with that, with, with the whole Xhaka thing, you know, even leading up to the game, there was already, again, this sense of uneasiness in the stadium, you know, just before kickoff. Because, you know, it was like the fans did not now also know what to expect or what sort of arsenal. Because he was tinkering again this time. Emery now brought David Luiz in as a holding midfield. And he almost like kind of flooded that. Defense again. 
you know, at the, the game seemed very much at a testimonial pace in the beginning. Frankfurt as well felt like they weren't there. Frankfurt felt like the game was a chore to play the first half. And I, I, I was watching the game and I'm thinking, wow, like it's also not going to actually take advantage of this, this lackluster performance of Frankfurt. Because, you know, Frankfurt, I know they're not doing as well in the Bundesliga, but they are a very dangerous side. They have some talented players and... They've been inconsistent, but if they click, you know, they can cause damage. And at the first half of the game, and I thought Arsenal would have taken advantage of that. And I mean, uh, David Luiz in that holding midfield role just lost about 31 minutes and yet to be substituted since he had almost like chest pains or chest problems after getting a whack on the chest earlier in the game. When Dozen then came on, um, Arsenal then looked somewhat lively as, you know, after that um, with Martinelli and Saka forcing. Frankfurt keeper into two fine saves. Um, the breakthrough then came on the stroke of halftime. Martinelli picked out uh, Aubameyang, who, you know, dispatched the ball off the keeper and crossbar 1-0 to the Arsenal. It was a very lucky goal as well. Eh? Like, you know, he did with power, but the keeper could have maybe started slightly better. But we also had a few chances. Martinelli had a few where, or the one chance where the keeper just got his foot to it. And then Aubameyang and Willock, you know, sums up the Emery as a coach at the moment, you know, with the miscommunication where well, uh, Bamiang had a clear header and Willock got in his way. Miscommunication, but like you said, we eventually got the breakthrough at just before halftime. It's very ironic since we're the ones that's normally conceding before halftime. Yeah. So also go one up with Frankfurt, you know, giving a poor showing of themselves. Second half, different story. Double change by Frankfurt. Uh, Gasinovic came on for Andre Silva and Dominic Kua came on for Gelson Fernandez. And I mean, immediately you could see a whole different sort of play by Frankfurt. I mean, it was actually watching, uh, if you think of that Watford game, where you don't know what was now said at halftime because it was like you saw a more flamboyant, more exciting attacking Frankfurt side. I, I, I just like. I looked at it and I'm like, you know, our same old, same old Arsenal. We we had the opportunity to bury them. We had the chance to make it 2-3-4-0 in the first half with the opportunities. And you come out, I don't know if Arsenal had more um, arrogance or I think they, that's going to be back to the same in the first half. Or if they just downed their tools and didn't care and just wanted to actually lose the game. And I mean, it, it seemed to do the thing, that substitution, because... You know, you saw Frankfurt like, get a, big, a stronger foothold in the game. And I mean, the, almost like they fed off that uneasiness in the crowd. So there were, you know, any misplaced passes, you could hear the groans growing louder and louder. And every time there was like wrong decision making by the players, you, you could hear that, that, that real anger being vented in the stadium. And it was just growing, growing. And, and I mean, you knew Frankfurt were, you know, it was that that goal was going to come. It was going to come because. It was, they were just getting closer and closer with the, with the chances. And I mean, 55 minutes, Daichi Kamada allowed to then cut inside by Tierney, uh, not really closed down by Quindosi. And I mean, he ends up bending a ball around Martinez 1-1. Isn't it the summer on the, like I guess it sums up Arsenal at the moment, we're backing off, we're backing off, we're backing off. And then allow the guy to shoot. And, you know, he, he picked his spot. He had time to pick his spot. There was no nobody rushing out, you know, to close him or jockey in front of him. It's like saying, here you go, here you go. There's like two, three guys around there that could have closed him. That's and right. you know what they did? They just ended up making a wall for um, for Martinez to see nothing. That, and then the ball curled past him. 
I picked it up also, yeah. Because I mean, like, watching you know, when they show the goalkeeper's angle, you can see he was a kind of like blindsided by two or three players in front of him. And I mean, that Kamada guy, I mean, he picks that perfect pass to, you know, like allowing that Martinez only to see that ball very, very late. It's like he was in a kind of an impish mood, uh, that the, the Japanese international on the night. You know, then Emery starts losing his nerve somewhat. He takes off Martinelli, who was actually causing Frankfurt, you know, more problems. And, uh, you know, he brings on Ozil to somehow unlock whatever uh, Frankfurt had to offer. Because look, at, at the moment, Frankfurt were, when they were attacking, they were coming four fours out. When they were defending, they were doing it almost like two banks of four. So it was also like being even tougher now to break down. Uh, 64th minute in Arsenal, switch off again from a corner. Ozil then decides to walk instead of closing down, like, you know, fast. And I mean, Kamada gets the ball again and he just wallops a, a low drive past, I don't know how many bodies there. And I mean, Frank would go 2 1 up. And I mean, you then you just heard that old stadium, you know, that, that that's total ving, uh, anger, finger, total anger vented at Emery. It seems like you sound like you went. Um... <laughs> Arsene Wenger, <laughs> you still have a, a, a angry at Arsene Wenger for all these years, but oh, um, <laughs> but there again, like you said, the closing down, then to allowing him to get the shot away, I mean, that's unacceptable, and you're seeing, you're staring yourself in the battle of defeat, I mean, 2-1 down, with, you know, time to come, still bring yourself back in the game, but, you know, Arsenal of late, you don't see that happen, you don't see them, you know, allowing the opposition to buckle under pressure. And, you know, for me, what was also worrying, you know, normally you see a sort of intensity and a sort of fight from, like, teams. I'm not talking about Arsenal, just in general, teams. But, I mean, the longer the game went on, the more Frankfurt looked dangerous and, and you know, could then, you know, pick off when they wanted to, you know, attack us or, you know, kind of stick the, the thing out of the game somewhere and then crank it up again. And then Mustafa gets injured, and Arsenal, uh, or many who are thinking also in the crowd, and I'm sure people at home were also thinking, somehow get an attacking player on for that last, like, what was it? I forgot which minute it was now, but I thought they were now going to, you know, go all out for it. And then he brings on Torreira, and I mean, you can see, also when I, you know, you try to chase this game to, to get that, you know, automatic qualification, so it's not like we're not just prolonging everything because you're not going to really get anything going forward. So, I mean, that, you know, Frankfurt saw the game out and then it became, you know, another demoralizing defeat. Yeah, that, that just, like I say, it, it sums up the, 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 the downward spiral we were going through. I mean, you know, you're looking at back to when last we actually won a game, like you said, 6th of October in the Premier League. You go to Europa League, we struggled to beat Vittoria at the Emirates. And then, you know, sliding further down the scale, we couldn't even get the job done in Portugal. And, like, we played the relegation in Southampton. And Frankfurt has been inconsistent at home. And we just can't seem to buy a win. Yeah. So, I mean, I come the Friday morning uh, at about, I think, 9 or 10 a.m., breaking news in on Sky Sports that, the club had, had called in Una Emery and he had been sacked. So, what was your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I, I've been calling for his head for quite a while, actually. And I was never, ever uh, 100% sold by him. But, I was, and, but to be honest, you know, that the, the 2% of me felt bad inside, you know. Like, thinking, ah, oh, you know, they actually gave him the cut. 
But I don't think he's ever, you know, truly won the fans over like 100%. And I think he'll go down as a manager that, you know, won't be spoken about much. Like, you know, over the years, we won't look back and say, it was like a Bruce Rioch type guy. But I'm happy that it happened. We we needed it to happen as harsh as it may be. And Arsenal, for, for, for the first time in a long time, actually showed some aggression to show that they, you know, want to be back in that top four again. And it was needed to be done. I just kind of have my three picks already in mind. That's when I first hear your opinion before I give my three picks. But what's your thoughts of, you know, the sacking of Emre? Um, I was <coughs> relieved because, I mean, you... <coughs> excuse me, my throat. Um, we saw not real development, especially going to the second half of the season, even though we gave him that benefit of the doubt. So... You know, we, I thought we would not kick on from, um, you know, attacking side of football and, and also be a bit more, uh, you know, added stability. We didn't see that. We also didn't see the attacking side because it's only like he would go into his shell if things were not going right. And I thought to myself, normally a manager will try to, you know, like force that play or whatever his tactic is on the day will force it on you. So, you know, you end up buckling as, your, as the opponent. But it wasn't like we showed... Respect so much or so many times in games, and all of a sudden, he had the teams in the bottom half of the, of the league thinking, Hey, we can fancy going there or when they come to us and taking them on and, and going toe to toe and probably beating them or getting a draw against them. So, we already lost that fear factor number one with him in charge now. And now, uh, I mean, my take is just I just think uh, somehow a disciplinarian is needed because. It's all good and well, you know, him getting the flack and stuff like that. But for me, I mean, I fully agree with, with what Gary Neville said yesterday. Where it's like Emery was being put in charge of a squad of a majority, like about 70% mediocre players. I mean, no, yes, you, you, can't get, you, you can't get maybe some top quality out of them or build them into better players. But he, like what, what Gary Neville was saying, and this, I found key to everything. He said, like, you having to have people like Socrates, David Luiz, and uh, Mustafi being, like, you know, roughly the main part of your defense. But he said, they are so set in their ways to teach them now, almost like your way or your art of defending. That's not going to work because they are not so well set or, you know, almost or stubborn in their ways. Whereas, with, with what, that's what, I said, what Gary Neville said, I, I took, really took to heart because he said, then you rather take younger defenders with that potential to show that you can actually mold into that sort of defense or defender that you want. Because, I, look, we said this even years before we even did podcasting, we need to start building our own identity as a defense. Because it's like we're taking all these people that are almost like always with one foot out of the door by their clubs. Look at Socrates was not even planned anymore with Dortmund, and yet we paid, what was it, 17 or something million for him. David Luiz... The writing was on on the wall for him the minute Lampard came. Lampard wanted to, like, even with that transfer ban, wanted to build a younger defense. It's, it's paying off for him. And then, of course, Mustafi. Uh, everybody said, you know, Valencia loved all the way to the bank when we paid 35 million for him. So, oh, wasn't he the captain at one stage? How did he end up being the captain? That's, I mean, I just, that's why, like, Harry never said, the person that, that did recruitment for Arsenal should also be, like, either slapped or choked. <laughs> we, I'm mean, like we were really short changed because 
you can see a lot of these in, in that's why we don't have leaders on the field we've got each one that wants to do his own little thing and i mean <clears throat> as much as i love windows in it you can see that his petulance is, is also costing us in games his lack of awareness is costing us in games Jaka comes on the other day and uh, you know after that, that, that everybody said oh we kind of missed him when he was gone he came there was no difference because <laughs> i mean he might have did like three or four decent passes but other than that he was losing people in, in midfield he was you know just running or uh, you know running aimlessly to dead dead ends on the field so i mean you got a midfield that mid, like, also midfield that, that ends up losing like, you know getting lost in the game You've got a forward line that's almost like toothless now because there's no support coming. You've got a defence who are all over. I mean, it becomes like a clown show, whatever happens in the back. Even Bellerin looks, you know, totally out of it at the moment. I mean, whether, I'm talking about the league form also now. Tierney looks, I mean, like, stunned now. If he's not almost like coached in the right way, he looks like a DNA headlights, um, <laughs> that sort of moment. Because he's not being coached right and he, and he can't look over his shoulder and look at them and think, I can look up to them. They also, you know, it's all, it's like a train smash at the moment. <laughs> There's no mentors in the Arsenal side. You know, if you were up and coming youngster back in the day, you would have Tony Adams to look up to, Lee Dixon, Nigel Winterburn, all those guys to learn from. Center of the Park, you had Patrick Vieira to learn from. Gilberto Silva, you know, Robert Perez, Freddie Leungberg, you know, the, the goes on and on and on and on. Now the guys are just too much attitudes. Like you said, Gwen Dozy, you know, it's petulance cost us sometimes. You know, he has that fight to, to you know, win us the game. But who is he looking up to? Aubameyang, like I said, to also have the attitudes when they must, you know, be subbed or at, in training when they're choking around and things like that. So it's just, I think it's just like I said, it's a circus and a train wreck. And you never had a ringmaster coaching the circus, basically, because... Una Emre didn't seem like he knew how to manage all these egos. So, like you said, I think a disciplinarian is needed for the club. And I mean, what what also really pissed me off the other day, just leading up to the Europa League game, the cameras were now again at training, like with, with uh, you know, since it was now after the Southampton game. And, and you know, you see this playfulness by, by Guendouzi and Maitland-Niles and Socrates. I mean, Socrates of all people also. <laughs> you know, they're they goofing around. Lacazette and Aubameyang chatting to each other. And I'm thinking to myself, how are we supposed to be taken seriously as a team? If, I mean, we we dangling like eighth, going or like something to, to drift into the, the lower half of the table, and you're taking the piss like it, instead of being more focused on, on you know, whatever games come and, comes now forward. So, I mean, look, Freddie Lundberg now takes, uh, you know, interim charge of the the, the team. And I mean, I think he will probably. I think he's doing also a press conference today, um, to also like notify who his coaching staff or temporary coaching staff is going to be. But I mean, look, also all now probably now you know making contact with different managers now that are available. Speaking about managers, I think my top three would be you know Pochettino number one. If you could get him, it would be good. Number two, I think would be Allegri, and if you can't get Allegri, I'd go for then Nuno. Santo of uh, Wolves, and uh, but I do think you know the the choice ultimately is probably going to end up being Arteta. That's my dark horse pick, probably. I mean, I, I see a lot of people <coughs> kind of write Arteta off. I'm not saying now like say us or maybe our listeners and that, but I just think people must think of it like this. Also, he can also bring in that sort of knowledge that that he picked up with Pep. 
Guardiola. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go carbon copy everything like that, but he will probably know what sort of basis we need as a, as a defense. And I think whether, uh, as you said now, whether it's Poch, Allegri, Santo, any uh, Arteta or any other dark horse out there, I just, like for me, look, I'm very open to whoever coaches the team. But for me, it's like just bring back a sort of stability in that defense. Even if it means now, like say, uh, look, another club doesn't like buying in, in January, but, you know, just bring in some sort of defender that can somehow pull this whole clown show on track again. Because I think, I, yeah. no, go on, go on, go on, go on. No, because, I mean, I, I don't see us, you know, doing anything, you know, spectacularly this year, if it's going this route, because you, you know for a fact, Europa League, the minute the, the Champions League teams, third place, they all drop down into the Europa League. It becomes even more competitive. And then you've got cup competitions. You don't know which way we're going to go now because surely by the time the FA Cup comes around in, in early January, is that when the when the club is going to already make a decision with a, with a coach, uh, new coaches there? Or are they going to make the, the coaching decision right now, at, you know, come December? Because for me... Also, because letdown has also been the you know the likes of Raul Sanehi, because uh, it seemed all buddy buddy the way uh, he was also prolong, prolonging this uh, sacking of of Emery, <clears throat> and uh, of course Edu, uh, I was expecting a bit more from him, and uh, same with that Vinay guy, I was expecting something extra because for me it makes them look actually weak now, and, and also the Krunkers not really putting their foot down and saying, look, we're going to have to pull the trigger here when it's going on. Because I really thought that's going to happen the Leicester game already with that international break that came on afterwards. But it's like, you know, we keep on stalling, keep on stalling. And now it's almost like we in a case again where we made the decision and now it's starting to scramble around because I don't know how long they're going to need now to, to you know, line up a, a successor now. But I do think they have had a successor in mind. I don't think they would have pulled the plug. Yeah, I Immediately, I think they had I a chat, a very informal chat with somebody that said, you know, give me a, to think about it, but you know, I could be your man, and that's what I probably went through with Emily. That's just my thinking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think it could be Arteta because I think he could be the easiest one maybe to sway away. You know, he's not, you know, really tied down the city as a, a first team or coach. I know he's very involved with Pep, but I mean, it'll, I think it could be possibly. Him. I mean, the only thing I also want from the board now is, um, you know, with whoever comes in now as a coach, you know, give that, give him whatever financial support that he needs. I'm talking now of if he needs to buy big and whatever, let him buy big. Because, I mean, we also have to think of kind of, you know, I wouldn't say thinking too far in advance, but we need to think now over like two years and beyond now for somebody that can now bring in and that's why I said, like, bringing us to the defender, besides, I would say, with Saliba coming in next year or next season, uh, have also, you know, have had a couple more like that in that mold to come to the club for, for whether it's coming uh, January or in the summer. Because I think also uh, better uh, central defenders are needed. That's a must, guaranteed. And then, of course, Bellerin needs either some sort of competition or somebody better because you can see he's he's lost a hell of a lot of pace. I mean, I was shocked to see how he was, like, laboring in, in, in the games that he's now played. I mean, I know, yes, he, uh, uh, an injury like that, you have to also be careful in that. But 
for me, he looks like a shadow of, and I'm and I worry because for me that was also one of his dangers to opponents. That you know, just his pace where he could you know really take you on over hundred meters. And I think with Tierney, I think he needs better competition to to push him further because I don't see Colasinas being the one to do that. Uh, I think we just need. I think when you coach comes in and tells us we have to be patient for his rebuilding process. Not maybe two years, but maybe like till the start of next season, I'll be happy and I'll give him time. You know, even if we don't make Champions League, but come the next season when you have a old summer with the team and you have your time to build the squad, and I think it is clever them to get rid of Emre because he can't. The new coach kind of has a tryout period and then can be judged the next one. Because I think what what was also a cool feature out of all this playing out. You know, Freddie with with Freddie now leading the team into tomorrow's game against Norwich, he can go almost like beef, almost like he can actually express himself if I can put it like that. So you you could even see a more free flowing attacking Arsenal team playing because that is how he was coaching the under twenty threes. They were you know they quite a ruthless cutthroat side when when he was coaching the under twenty threes, and I mean that's also what caught the eye of of the the hierarchy at Arsenal. You know to to give him like the the first team. Role, a coach role at also at, uh, under Emery, and then of course now being interim coach now with the sacking. So, as at end of the podcast now, you know I just hope we we really put on a performance now to show what we've been all missing these past months. So yeah, come on, you Gunners, new chapter and hopefully a lot to look forward to. Thanks guys for listening.